on, although it's the first Sunday of December, it is the second Sunday of Advent. And for those of you who are not familiar with Advent, Advent is the, the season of the year just before Christmas when we celebrate and we practice spiritual disciplines, when we prepare our hearts, our minds for the full embrace of the coming of the Christ child. And Advent is a, um, an unusual experience that we have. Advent has both a forward-looking and a rear-looking approach to it. And so we're using the word Maranatha to both describe and express the experience of Advent. Maranatha is one of those words that has a dual meaning. Much like, um, you know, in Hawaii they say aloha to mean hello and goodbye. So too Maranatha has a, a rear-facing, a reflective mood to it, and it also has a forward-facing, anticipatory mood to it. And so Maranatha is used to say, the Lord has come, and is also used to say, the Lord is coming, which is an appropriate way to describe our experience of Advent, because in Advent, our hearts and our minds think back to, to Christmases gone by, love and joy and memories shared with loved ones. But we still look forward to and are busy preparing for the celebration of Christmas, which will take place in just a few weeks. Even so, as Christians, we celebrate what God has already accomplished, what God has done for us in sending His Son Jesus to us to be born in a manger in Bethlehem. All the while, we are looking forward to the consummation of God's promise when our Lord comes again and redeems all of creation. And so it is during Advent that we are acutely aware of where we have been and where we are going and the tension we feel and the faith that we express living in that tension between where we have been and where we are going, between here and there. Last week we talked about living in the tension between memory and hope. Today I want to talk briefly with you about living in the tension between brokenness and wholeness. Now our scripture reading today comes again from the Old Testament, uh, this time reading from the prophet Isaiah. Remember last week our reading came from Jeremiah, and Jeremiah was speaking a word of warning and a word of hope to those people who were left primarily in Jerusalem they knew that the, uh, the Babylonians were on their way to, to, for the, the final conquest of the city and that all who were left would either be killed or, or carried off as hostages to, to be enslaved in Babylon. And Jeremiah was speaking to them. Now in today's reading, that's already taken place. There is no longer a nation of Judah, no longer a state of Israel. Jerusalem has been devastated. The walls have been torn apart. The, the temple has been uh, desecrated. There's nothing left. Thousands and thousands of people have been hauled off as slaves to live in exile in Babylon. And to these people in their state of exile, in that state of hopelessness and despair, fatigue and depression, a word of the Lord comes to Isaiah and he shares this 
with the people in exile. It is a promise that God will not forsake them, that when the time is right, God will heal their wounds, that God will will mend the brokenness of their lives, that God will come again to restore all of creation. I invite you to read along with me. I'm reading from the words of the prophet Isaiah in the 35th chapter. Let us listen for the Word of God. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom, and it will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, Be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance and divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground, bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. My friends, the word of the Lord, thanks be to God. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the blessing you always give us in the reading and hearing of your sacred word. We pray that it finds is home in our hearts this day. And Lord, I, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be upon me, guiding my thoughts, removing from my lips any words but your own, that with faithfulness and with integrity I might proclaim the wonderful good news of your redeeming love. Amen. So I'm sure some of you have heard the buzz or or seen the advanced trailers for this movie that is going to come out. I think it opens on Christmas Day. It's called Unbroken. And it is the life story of a a man named Louis Zemperini. Louis died just this past summer. Well, he had quite a remarkable life from his childhood to starring, uh, a a track star in the 1936 Berlin Olympics, shaking hands with Adolf Hitler, to just a few years later when he was, his plane was shot down over the Pacific, and the story of his 47 days adrift at sea and his fight for survival in the life rafts, and then being captured by the Japanese and spending two years in a Japanese prisoner of war camp, where because of his notoriety as an American Olympic star, he was singled out for particularly brutal, harsh treatment by the Japanese. It's an amazing story of an amazing life. The The book is incredible, and I'm sure the film will be too, but here's my one problem with it. It's not true. I mean, don't get me wrong, these things happened to him, The part that's not true is the title, Unbroken. You see, Louis was a very broken person. 
After the war, he suffered from severe post-traumatic stress syndrome, as many returning soldiers did. He turned to alcohol for comfort. He became an alcoholic. He had severe anger issues. He got into fights. He, he readily admits that he caused a lot of trouble, and he caused a lot of hurt and pain in other people's lives. His problems dealing with his own anger were so great that, that his marriage barely survived. After the war, he was a very broken, a very wounded, a very imperfect person. Now, to sell tickets, of course, they don't make a movie like that. The, the, the tickets will sell by unbroken because we Americans like to have heroes that are unbroken and unblemished and perfect. We like our heroes in white polished marble. The problem is there aren't any real heroes who are polished marble. All of the real heroes in life are broken and imperfect and imprecise. They are wounded heroes. So instead of being unbroken, perhaps the story of his life should be titled how God put me back together. Here's the good news. Although we are all broken and imperfect, although none of us has lived the life that God hoped we would live, the life that God created us to live, the life that, that God wants for us, Although we have all failed to be the people we could have been, should have been, would have been. Although we all have those things that, gosh, I wish I had done that differently. Or I wish I had said these words instead of those. Instead of being the people who are broken, who have failed, the people whose lives are filled with blemishes. Although that's who we confess we are, that doesn't bother God. See, God has a way of using broken and imperfect and wounded people. In fact, the scriptures are filled with examples and stories of God taking less than perfect people and doing amazing things through their less than perfect lives. In the summer of 1874, I'm, his name is William, William Buchanan uh, Eads. William Buchanan Eads rode a circus elephant from Illinois across his newly completed bridge into downtown St. Louis. He rode the elephant across the bridge because elephants at that time were believed to have this innate sense of, of security. Elephants, it was believed, would not step onto an unsecure structure. And because Eads had built this amazing bridge, despite the fact he did not graduate from high school and was not a licensed civil engineer, he felt the need to ride an elephant across the bridge so people would understand the bridge was safe. Well, today, Ease Bridge still stands across the Mississippi River. It is a beautiful monument to architecture. And in fact, over 50 patents were issued to Ease because of his 
uh, uh, creative new ways of construction and engineering and the devices that he created to make this bridge happen. When it opened in 1874, it was considered a marvel, an engineering, uh, a, a brilliant piece of engineering and architecture. Today, students, civil engineers around the world still study Ease Bridge and how it was built. Well, despite building this amazing, amazing bridge, Eads was not a perfect person. He was a heavy drinker. He had a failed marriage. He carried, cared very little for the men who worked for him. In the building of this bridge, 15 men died and hundreds were severely injured because he did not care about the safety of his men. Whatever it cost, get the bridge done. This is an example, one of literally thousands, of how imperfect people, broken people, do amazing things. That is how God does his best work, with imperfect and broken people. But you see, the thing about God is, God is not just utilitarian. God isn't just about getting things done at whatever cost. God takes the brokenness of our lives, takes our wounds and our failures, our imperfections, takes our sin and turns it into something beautiful. Now, some of you may be familiar with the Japanese art of, I think I'm pronouncing this right, kintsugi. Um, you got a picture here? Kintsugi is the art of taking broken pottery broken bowls, mugs, plates, and repairing them using gold. Literally, as if soldering two things together with gold so that what is repaired actually turns out more beautiful than it was before it was broken. And not only is it more beautiful, it is more valuable, and it is stronger than it was before it was broken. Friends, this is how God works with our lives. God takes the broken parts of our lives. God takes the damaged parts of who we are, our homes, our relationships, our communities, our broken hearts. God takes that and puts it back together so that our lives become more valuable, more meaningful, and stronger than they ever were before they were broken. That, my friends, is the good news of the gospel. And that is what we celebrate at Advent. That tension of, of being put back together because we all know how broken we are and yet we know God's promise of wholeness and restoration. We're not who we've been, but we are not who we shall be either. In 1949, Louis Zamperini, by chance, met a young, upcoming evangelist by the name of Billy Graham. Billy and Louis had several conversations together, and Billy Graham led Louis back to the Lord. He renewed his faith. He recommitted himself to living as a disciple of Jesus Christ. 
And Louis went on to repair the damaged relationships, to ask forgiveness and reconciliation with those that, that he had alienated and those he had offended, and to make right those that he had hurt. Even to the point where he traveled back to Japan to forgive and ask forgiveness from those who had been his tormentors. Through the rest of his life, Billy Graham and Louis Zamperini remained dear friends. In fact, Louis appeared on stage with Billy Graham at a number of his big stadium revivals, sharing his story and encouraging other people. Both the stories of his own strength and endurance and perseverance, but more importantly, sharing the story of how God had taken the shattered shards of his life and put it back together in such a beautiful and strong way that whatever he had done before that, despite all the Olympic heroes and the survival and the, the, everything he had been through in the war, that all seemed as nothing compared to what God was doing with his life now. Friends, that is what Advent's about. It's about embracing that faith. It's about embracing what God has done and will do. The brokenness on the way to wholeness. It is about living a faith that takes us from here to there. Amen.